All too often, sports administration fails to adequately represent diverse populations of athletes. For change to occur, it is important that all voices, experiences, and backgrounds are equally considered when making decisions that affect athletes. Listen to today's guest to learn about the lack of diversity in sports administration, the relevance of student-athlete mental health in today's world, and the impact of having a seat at the table. Hi, welcome to this episode of Bench. This is your host, Jules Makia, and today we have a very special guest, someone very close to my heart, Cricket Lane. Cricket, thank you so much for joining us. I'm so excited to have you. Cricket has been a mentor to me, a friend to me, so I'm very excited to have you on. I'm excited. <laughs> I love to talk, so. So for anyone who doesn't know Cricket, Cricket works in the athletic department at UNC. She specifically worked with my team and she works with all student athletes. So I got very close with her over the past couple of years. And Cricket, do you want to give a little bit of a background of what you do and what your job is at UNC? Absolutely. So the title is Associate Athletic Director for Student Athlete Development, which I love. I get to work with all our student athletes on things like community service and leadership and personal development and helping them in their career path. We talk about all the fun things. We still want to make sure that they're going to graduate and we'll we'll talk about academics, but it's mostly all that other stuff that I get to work with. Yeah, I think too, it's important to note how much of a impact cricket has had on so many student athletes, including myself. I remember one of my early experiences with cricket was she found me like she somehow knew I like wasn't doing well, just was really had too much going on, had a lot of anxiety. And she like told someone to tell me that I have to come to her office. So I come to her office. She has a box of tissues like sitting on her table. She's like, sit down. And you know, that type of person that you can just go to whenever you're not doing well or whenever You just need somebody to talk to. I was super grateful for, and I know a lot of student athletes are as well. So that's just another, uh, an unofficial job description for cricket, but she does that very well too. (laughs) And I always have candy and maybe some other items in here that students might need. (laughs) Exactly. Well, today's episode, we're going to cover how you got into sports, what the current climate is like, and then being one of the few black women in UNC's athletic department, as well as just in athletic departments in general. But I wanted to start with your background and how you got into working in sports. Well, my background is actually in counseling. I started off doing individual private counseling, and uh, my spouse was working in an athletics department at the University of Detroit, and they were looking for someone to do some workshops on, you know, alcohol and all kinds of things. I'm like, oh, I can do that. I can do a little research, and, and I did, and I absolutely... I loved it. I ended up doing more and more and got a part-time job there. And then it went into a full-time position. And since then, I've been working with student athletes in all areas. I've been at three schools, two small division one schools. And maybe we'll talk a little bit about that later. But in those schools, you end up doing a lot of things. You know, you're, you're not just the director of student athlete development. You may be the director of multicultural affairs on this campus. And so I think at the smaller 
schools, I got a really good education on all things higher ed. And then when I got to UNC, it was kind of a shock because it was so large and it was very concentrated on this is all I have to do is work with students. I love it. So it's worked out really well for me. Yeah. The next thing I kind of wanted to talk about was your educational background, because I know you have a PhD and that's pretty impressive, but can you explain all the different degrees you have and why you chose to go the certain routes that you did? Yeah. So I'm probably one of the only people who started school who said, I want to get a degree in psychology. This is what I want to do. I went to George Mason, did that, never changed. But then when I got my degree, it was like, I need another degree to actually do what I wanted to do. So when we moved to Detroit, I decided that was an opportunity for me to to do more education. So I got a master's in counseling and ended up doing a lot of counseling. Really enjoyed that, especially group work. And as I was doing that, I'm like, you know, I really love to learn. You know, I wanted to take some more classes and I ended up taking a a PhD class and I'm like, kind of like this. So I continued on with the thought that maybe one day I would teach, teach at higher ed and really enjoyed the, well, most of it I enjoy. There is a dissertation and oral exams that I probably didn't enjoy as much, but I was like, I really love what I'm doing and I couldn't imagine doing anything else. So I have this degree. It's great. It's worked. It's helped me in my career. But I decided that I didn't want to teach, teach. Do you think later in life or like later in your career, you would ever consider teaching? You know, I've been talking about that, like at the, what is it? The junior college. So maybe, maybe. I could see it. I could definitely see it. I could see you teaching like a course at UNC, even if it was like a exercise sports science, psychology type class, like kind of the mix of everything that you've done. You should definitely do it. Yes, 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 yes. Still love psychology very much. (laughs) We'll see. We'll see. I have quite a bit on my plate right now. So (laughs) maybe later. Okay, so speaking of, I kind of wanted to get into specifically working in sports and sports in general. So obviously, you know, I started this podcast because I felt like women's voices weren't heard enough. And I also feel like specifically minority women voices are heard even less. So I wanted to kind of hear what you thought was the biggest issue facing sports right now in a broad context. So this might come as a surprise, but I look at this as impacting everything and it would have to be mental health. Even when we talk about diversity and all the things that have gone on, that impacts your mental health. Like having student athletes have to worry about their safety When there are people with Confederate flags on campus, that's a mental health issue. Training and body image and overtraining and burnout, it's a mental health issue. Also, NIL right now, we've not really addressed this, but I think there's a lot of mental health implications in that. You know, how many Twitter followers do you have? What is your tweet worth? How many things are you endorsing? What did you get? I mean, I just see all these comparisons and then having people feel like their worth has been monetized. So my thing is mental health, I think is the biggest. I think that's an interesting way to kind of tie everything together. I didn't think of it in that context, but I definitely personally have dealt with it myself. So I definitely understand where you're coming from, from the mental health aspect. I'm sure you know, <laughs> I've, you've been close to me for years, so you know how challenging it is to be a student athlete. 
Right. And just think how many students don't get the opportunity to talk to someone or, you know, to have someone always reaching out to them. It It's tough. Yeah, you just think we need to give a little more attention in all areas when it comes to mental health. For sure. And I think UNC is lucky that we have a sports psychology team, but I mean, we were on a wait list for months. So that's interesting. And there are other schools that might not have the financial capabilities to have a whole sports psych team. So I think that's that's super important to consider. But then I also wanted to talk about within the intersectionality of gender and race, where do you think there are issues? Either you can go both of them together or even separate. We'll go both. and Maybe we'll talk a little later. I definitely think there's an issue when we look at leadership, especially in Division One. I. I think Division Two and Three do a much better job than we do, whether it's with people of color or women in positions of leadership, or at least have a place at the table. You know, we talk a lot about getting in the room, <laughs> getting a seat at the table, but also now being able to express and feel comfortable at the table, like you belong at the table, like people are listening to what you have to say. So I think that's a really big issue in the Division One area. You know, we're making strides. I have no, I, you know, I think we are. I just think it's like a lot of things. It's a very slow process, a slow process. For sure. And I know you have experienced this. You're one of the few women in the athletic department at UNC. You're one of the few Black people at the athletic department at UNC. What has your journey been like? What are some of the challenges that you've faced having this intersection of both gender and race in your career? I think it's it's really interesting because I think that I, probably like most women or women of color, you find your tribe. You find people who either look like you or at least understand the issues that you're going through and maybe will advocate a little bit for you. It's been hard to show the others that we belong here, that we know what we're doing. We understand. I mean, it's not brain surgery. It's sport. You know, it's entertainment. And we can do that. You know, when you're around people who look like you, it's a lot easier to to agree on things. And then to have someone maybe question that or talk about that can be really difficult. And you have to be pretty vulnerable, but also pretty, pretty tough. Yeah. What do you think could be done to help address this issue in athletic departments like UNC or like other Division I institutions? I think number one, I mean, we have to change the numbers. Maybe you have to go out of your way to find people to apply for positions. Or, I mean, I think about in other areas, you know, somebody knows somebody you know, has anyone ever said, hey, Cricket, do you know anybody who, you know, who might be really good at this? Or So I think we definitely need to change the numbers to show students, student athletes, that representation is important. You need to see people who look like you. And then I also think that we have to listen to those voices, like just I mean, I think if you're in a room and everybody looks like you, you're not getting any diversity of thought. You're not getting any diversity when it comes to processes. So like thinking about that, even if you're in a room and you all look alike, like I wonder what if or or ask somebody else. I think that we have tended to just overlook that. This has worked in the past. so Let's keep it. But I, I mean, I think women and people of color bring a different perspective. Absolutely. And I think an, a very important point is when you look at sports and the breakdown, like look at our 
student athlete population, the athletic department does not represent the student athlete population. Like there's a lot of women and there's a lot of people of color and our admin just doesn't represent that. So I think that, you know, is a lot of the problem. And on that note, something that I found super disappointing and I used to always say, you know, UNC doesn't walk the walk. We talk about diversity. We talk about being such a diverse and inclusive university. And from what I've seen, I think a lot of times we fail. And I think the past couple weeks have shown that, you know, with Nicole Hannah-Jones tenure. What was that like for you? How did you feel about everything that went on? Thoughts, comments, etc. Well, it, I mean, again, it was tough. It shows that, like, this is a woman who had all these accolades. If she can't make it, well, holy heck. So you start to question, okay, so what is it? It can't be her scholarship. It can't be, you know, so you start stripping away. And how's it going to affect the people of color who are here who see that. I mean, we got, a, I think, a glimpse into the tenure track, and it really did highlight maybe some of the problems in that process. And I think we may have similar processes and problems in athletics. I mean, not just here, but in general, when looking at people's credentials and not weighing them the same as somebody else's. Absolutely. And I think the tenure situation around Nicole Hannah-Jones was so disappointing for people at this school because if you look at the reactions from students, like everyone was so upset. They were like, she's a wonderful professor. She's well overqualified to have tenure. Her position has historically come with tenure. So it's very clear why this happened. And this situation will only make UNC less diverse because it's gonna really defer people from wanting to come here because this is, these are the uphill battles they have to face. And our student body president wrote an open letter and I thought that was so impactful. And he was talking about like, if you're a student of color, like you should go to a school that appreciates you. And that's so sad that UNC talks, talks and talks and talks and talks about diversity, but there's no action behind it. Right. And looking at the board of trustees, like look at the makeup 2021 and the board looks like this. I mean, that's a, there's an issue. My voice is not going to be heard because I'm not at the table to talk to people. Absolutely. I think, too, it's important to note like the possibilities of if we were to have more diversity and representation, how could that positively impact programs like a program at UNC? I mean, my perception of it is it obviously helps student athletes because they have people that look like them helping them. And then I feel like it helps with recruiting and it, it's like, we are diverse. We walk the walk. Here's our athletic department. We have voices like you will be welcome here. Like there are voices from every walk of life and no matter who you are or where you come from, you're welcome at this athletic department. I think it would be so amazing if you could come to school and be your authentic self all the time. Like, this is who I am. I'm accepted. People want to hear what I have to say. You would be happier and healthier, you know, if you didn't have to worry all the time about, you know, am I doing the right thing? Am I saying the right thing? Am I safe? I just, I think it would just, it would, it'd be a totally different experience for people. I think there's another kind of aspect of things that we can talk about. We see athletes specifically right now we're watching the Olympics kind of start to start and we're seeing again and again, specifically the black community affected by these, in my opinion, racialized policies. For example, 
we saw Shikari Richardson, you know, get disqualified and lose her spot because of the IOC and then specifically the U.S. OC's policies regarding marijuana, which again is not a performance enhancing drug. We see that. We see things happening with Castor Semenya, who can no longer compete because they, the IOC made a rule just literally to push her out of an event. As a black woman, do you truly feel welcomed and respected in the sports industry? What are your thoughts around what's happening to these specifically black women during the, the Olympic start? To answer kind of your second question about feeling comfortable in sports industry, yes, in certain spaces, you know, it's qualified. I think marginalizing black women have been done for a long time. It's not, you know, this hasn't just been this Olympics. You know, you think about our body types and how we express ourselves and things. I think that it's always been, we've always been kind of marginalized in that way. I look at this hair. This hair is not going to fit in a regular swim cap. Had there been people at the table to talk about it, they could tell people like this hair is not going to fit under a regulation. I will not have any advantage. I'm just different. My hair is different than your hair. It's not smooth. It doesn't. So I think that until we have people sitting in the rooms talking about this, giving our experiences, nothing changes. But, you know, say there were five women on the, you know, IOC talking about their hair type and that that's not going to fit. Maybe it's a different there's a different outcome. You had mentioned earlier off camera about Simone Biles and how she's amazing. Like, why is that a negative? Is it because we're Black women and you're not used to seeing us in these certain spaces and now we are? And it can't be. It doesn't fit to the narrative. It doesn't fit. So I think about for Black women, there are certain spaces that it's okay for us to be and it's okay for us to feel welcome and I think this is changing a little, but, you know, I think in the athletic world, it was academics and it was student athlete development. Those are places where I think people felt comfortable for women of color to be, you know, nurturing. And I mean, it just fits all the stereotypes. But, you know, I do hope that we're moving to these other places where we can change that narrative a little bit. Absolutely. And I think too, you mentioned the swim caps. I remember reading that news article and I was like, you've got to be kidding me. Clearly, there it was just a decision that nobody cares about anybody else. You're just like, I wonder who made that decision. I wonder who was sitting at that table. Exactly. And I think that happens a lot. You see things that happen in marketing companies or commercials and you wonder, how do they get there? But they probably didn't have anybody in the room. You know, no one at the table and they think they're doing the best. I also think, too, another interesting case is Naomi Osaka coming forward about her mental health and then the scrutiny, of course, that she faced for that. I think, obviously, she faces the intersectionality of race and gender and all of that in media, but you're just like, why is this controversial? Right. Why can't she take time off? Yeah, we can we can take a day off of work or we can do these things, but she can't be like, I just can't right now. I need to go chill out. Like, I can't do media. I'm already struggling. And think about it. So many people have been open about their struggles with mental health during COVID. Why aren't we giving that, that same grace to athletes, specifically women and specifically people of color? And I think she faced, like, such a tough media lens and scrutiny. 
I agree. We have put such a emphasis on getting help. And now that you want to get help, I think it really does go back to that kind of marginalized women of color. What would you tell any female that has aspirations of going into a career like sports admin? Well, obviously, I love my job. I mean, there's some things I would change, but 90% of my job, I absolutely love. I love working with students. I, I love seeing them progress. I love being in this industry where you can see that. Like for me, I guess, you can see the growth. And mine is not always physical. I get to see them, you know, mature in a way and get, I, I just love it. Absolutely love it. So I think this is a great industry to be in. I think it it's getting better. I would never say, you know, don't do this. I think it, it can be hard work. I think that we also need to realize, you know, you don't have to just be an athletic director. You can work in, in different types of marketing. You can work in, you know, now there's, you know, social media. There's just so many areas. And I think we need, they need our they need our voice. They need our touch. So I say, come on, join me. I'm going to be retiring at some point soon. I need some more people. Let's go. Come on, women. Are there any recent events or anything that's kind of given you a new hope or excitement for the future and change and things like that? Well, first, having students back on campus is just giving me a whole new yeah outlook. Love, love, love. And the number of conversations I've had with women of color about this industry or just about getting their voices heard, I think has been very encouraging that, you know, they no, no longer just want to sit back. We can mobilize and, and, and do things for the good of women and Black women or Latinx women. I think it's so interesting that as women, we come together more. Like, I think we're definitely no longer you know, competing so much against each other. I think we are really trying to help each other do better. There are more women out there and more women who want to help women. Yeah. I think Sam Moore from the first season, her and I have like become very good friends. And I remember she said that to me. She's like, the biggest issue that sometimes I see in sports is that sometimes women get in these positions and instead of opening the door, they just slam it shut because they've got their seat and they're holding onto it for dear life and they're just trying to survive. But I think she said something so valuable about, it's about keeping that door open and getting more people seats at the table that haven't always had seats at the table. And I think that's so important. So I feel like that's such a good note to kind of end on. And Cricket, I'm so thankful for all you've done for me and all you've done for all the student athletes at Carolina. And I'm also grateful for you coming on today and taking some time away from your busy schedule. So thank you so much. Yes, 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 of course, of course, anytime. Thank you everyone for tuning into this episode of Benched. This has been your host, Jules Makia, with our wonderful guest, Cricket Lane. Want to share your story? Whether you prefer to share on a podcast, in a video, on a panel, or in a written blog, we cannot wait to hear from you. Just go to uncutchapelhill.com. That's uncutchapelhill.com. Click Get Involved and then share your story. Amplifying your voice has never been so easy.